In the fourth commandment, we talked briefly about how God has created us and placed us in a variety of communities as sort of the basis for our life together. Now we're going to explore the fifth to the tenth commandment, particularly how our life with each other plays out in the subsequent commandments. So, Bob, immediately following the fourth commandment, does Luther have any sequence or ordering to the subsequent commandments, or is he simply dealing with various facets of our life together? I think he, he actually does have a kind of order. Um, well, he, Luther follows the order of the commandments themselves, but I think he senses that God has unfolded here a plan that begins, first of all, with basic bodily needs. Um, the need to uh, not only abstain from killing, uh, as our Lord says, abstain from hating, uh, but then to, to exercise the kind of, of care and concern that, that human beings simply need at, at the very fundamental level. If we would look at, at Abraham Maslow's uh, understanding of the hierarchy of human needs, we see that those basic bodily needs um, have to be filled, according to Maslow's theory. He may not be right. Um, uh, before we can really do much else in life. And so um, we begin with those bodily needs. Uh, I suppose perhaps included under bodily needs, uh, but also uh, much more than just bodily needs, is the great gift of our sexuality. Uh, Luther says in his uh, explanation of the fourth commandment in the large catechism, that if the family isn't working right, nothing else in society is going to work right either. And so the, the sixth commandment follows up on fundamental bodily needs with a treatment of our entire sexual relationship uh, and, and grounds the family in God's command that, uh, that husband and wife shall come together, be faithful to one another, uh, and, and live together uh, enjoying this gift of sexuality and not abusing it. And families, as well as individuals, uh, everyone lives with God's gifts of, um, of property, of the things of uh, this world. And so uh, we go on to talk about respecting uh, the, the property that God has given us, the, the physical blessings that God has given us to sustain this body and life. We always live in community uh, since our God has placed us uh, with one another and said it's not good for us to be alone. And, and so our reputation uh, is very important. And Luther has a, a specific way of looking at the Eighth Commandment. He's not concerned, first of all, about telling the truth, pure and simple. He's concerned about the neighbor's reputation. And so he says, again, in the explanation of the large catechism, there are times when you don't tell the truth, you don't tell lies, obviously, about your neighbor, uh, but you don't go broadcasting the truth that could indeed harm your neighbor. And uh, unless you're called to in, in an office, uh, a, a set of responsibilities within society uh, for truth-telling, like a prosecuting attorney would be, um, you, you do not speak ill of your neighbor, and, and that is the the chief concern uh, that Luther has in, in that commandment. And so in those, those next four commandments, uh, Luther finds an order uh, within what uh, God has given 
the Jews and us in uh, the Ten Commandments uh, as we move from, um, from bodily needs to our sexuality, uh, to the things, uh, the blessings, the physical blessings we receive, and then to our reputation. Now, in passing, you mentioned one of the distinctive features of Luther's explanation in the Eighth Commandment. Uh, with regard to the other commandments, would you say that there is anything distinctive or novel in terms of how he perhaps uh, elaborated them? Uh, I'm wondering, for example, uh, the Sixth Commandment. Um, I suspect that it was interpreted by Luther against the backdrop of uh, the monastic life as being a higher calling than, say, marriage and family life. Yes. On the one hand, uh, there, there is simply the, the problem in every age that we, we have animosities toward one another. Um, we have sexual uh, lusts. Our, our sexual drive gets out of hand uh, very easily. Um, we, we want to grab more because it's so easy to make uh, physical blessings into God's. Uh, we want to take our own advantage uh, by damaging the reputation of our neighbor. So in a sense, Luther is echoing, I suppose, what Christians uh, have said in every age. But I think you're, you're uh, bringing up the, the contrast to, to monasticism is something that we easily forget. But in talking about the Sixth Commandment, Luther says we are to fear and love God so that we lead pure and decent lives in word and deed, and each of us loves and honors his or her spouse. Um, there's no negative. You pointed out in our last session that there are these uh, negatives and then the positives. Right. And, and here there's only the positive. Um, some people say, well, Luther figured that, that uh, even kids would have enough ideas about the negative aspects of abuse of our sexuality um, that they didn't need any specific reminders. But... I think you may be right in saying that, that this positive and strictly purely positive emphasis here is a part of his uh, campaign to go back to a doctrine of creation that affirms the goodness of family life, that affirms the, the blessing of our sexuality and doesn't see it as um, the devil's opening into our lives. And, and so that, like the, um, the treatment of... Uh, telling the truth versus protecting the reputation of our neighbor, are places where we see Luther, um, in his own kind of wisdom, getting very close to the realities of human life as he experienced them in his day. Does the same thing apply, say, with respect to the uh, Seventh Commandment and the economic realm of human life? Uh, could you maybe say a word or two about the... Um, maybe the specific uh, issues that Luther had in mind with regard to uh, buying and selling or the marketplace or uh, economic dealings in general. Uh, as we look at, at the large catechism's explanation, we see him unfolding what he says in the small catechism, that we shouldn't take our neighbor's money or property. That's just sort of outright theft. But he's also uh, very uh, uh, emphatic in talking about the sneaky kinds of ways that we take economic advantage of our neighbors. Luther lived in a small town. Wittenberg was not a large town. It didn't have anything comparable to the industry, certainly not of our towns, but uh, also not of a, a larger city where there was uh, at least beginnings of manufacturing uh, in Nuremberg or, or Cologne or, or 
some places like that. Uh, but Luther did know about the way in which uh, uh, merchants take advantage of customers, and he, he brought the law down very harshly upon their abuses. He knew about the advantage that servants like to take um, in working for their masters, and he knew about the abuses that masters and mistresses, the employers of his day, um, exercised over and against their servants. And so he had, in some ways we say he had a very naive view of, of incipient capitalism. Um, I'm not sure that's true. There were just features of capitalism he thought were exploitative. I think he had a pretty sophisticated view. His own father had been uh, involved in, in infant forms of capitalism. But he also had a very uh, sophisticated view of his own relationship as a, as a house father, as the head of a household, who at least who had to send his wife out, as he mostly did, to uh, purchase uh, grain and, and meat and so forth in the marketplace. Uh, so he, he had this sense of God's creating us as a community to uh, work together for one another. And so butchers were to work for their customers and not, um, not try to exploit or abuse them. And what about, say, the uh, Ninth and Tenth Commandment? They both deal seemingly with the same topic. And not only do they seem to deal with the same topic, but they seem to also deal with issues that tie back to the First Commandment as well. I think we could describe the Ten Commandments as a circle. You begin with our fundamental attitude that makes human life possible, our attitude toward our God, the object of our trust, the source of our identity, security, and meaning. We go on to talk about our actions in regard to God. Then we go on to talk about the whole structure of human life and our actions toward one another in what we might call the horizontal realm of life. And with the Ninth and Tenth Commandments, we, get, we complete the circle by going back to our, our fundamental attitudes, though in this case, not in relationship to God, but in relationship uh, to other people. And uh, so when we look at the last two commandments, there's a, there's a difference, as you know, in, in the way Christians have numbered them. There are two ancient traditions. A Hebrew uh, tradition has uh, hung on to, uh, to distinguishing um, no other gods before me and no graven images, whereas Luther combined them, as had the, the Christian tradition up until his time, uh, the, the early Christians followed another way of dividing the, the Ten Commandments. I think it's good to have two commandments on coveting because coveting lies at the very root um, of all that disrupts uh, human life. Uh, coveting is the first symptom uh, in the horizontal relationship that things aren't right in the vertical relationship. When we can't trust God for everything he gives us, then we have to try and secure our lives by grabbing stuff from other people. We have to harm their bodies. We have to uh, exploit their uh, sexuality. We, we, we steal and we, we put them down in ways that don't serve uh, the truth and don't serve uh, their welfare. And so um, the commandment, the ninth and 10th commandments, in a sense, complete the circle of God's uh, telling us what human life is all about. And yet for Luther, even though they do complete the circle, he still then moves on to discuss one more matter, namely the uh, threats and promises that were originally attached to the first commandment 
but he is now saved to discuss following the 10th. That seems a little curious that, uh, that Luther puts what is really a part of the introduction in, in um, Exodus 20 or Deuteronomy 5 at the end. But we have to remember he's not reproducing the Bible here. He's not really right. even doing exegesis uh, interpretation of the text. He is trying to teach the kids. And so he comes and says, in a sense, voicing the law, as you say, with the threat of punishment, if you don't keep it, and with the promises that the law can deliver, God's grace and every good thing uh, when the commandments are kept. Now, it's important to note, I think, that he's not saying we can earn our relationship with God here. Both, uh, both the threats and the promises put us on the spot. Um, I think that's probably true through the whole of the explanation of these commandments. Uh, the, we talked about how Luther uses the positive aspect uh, in the explanations in the small catechism um, for positive instruction. But we know that in teaching our kids, we can also use negatives to attain that positive instruction. Likewise, sometimes when I hear the commandments, the negatives tell me I am guilty because of sins I commit. The positive expressions tell me I am guilty of omitting some things that he wants me to do in my life. I think we could say that the law is the law is the law, and it's going to do what it does, and it instructs and it examines us, and, and um, we can recognize that we've done things wrong through both. Well, in a sense, that's what Luther, I think, is trying to sum up here at the end. Through threats, through promises, through the negative and the positive aspects of the law, we are called to evaluate our lives and, and, and to structure our lives. And between evaluation, where we always come up short, and structuring, where we serve the Lord in joy, actually comes the larger promise of God, that he will be our God, that he will give us new birth even in the midst of our sin. And that message, of course, is the message that uh, Luther elaborates in the historic confession of the faith of, of the church. He goes on then to tell the sinner what God has done, who God is, uh, as father of his chosen children.